0: that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Dw group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Blog Talk Radio.
2: It's a great iron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe With Emil, no,
3: and the other hosts You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show Dial us up, give us a call We're waiting here to talk some ball 347 9365 is the number to call So don't sit around, no time to stall Giving you football from wall to wall And now we give you our two hosts Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast I'm here, man. We need a little smoother transition from that thing into what we've got going on here. Nevertheless, we are here with you for the next hour or so on the uh, Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino here to talk with you uh, about stuff uh, from the college and NFL Gridiron, mostly college, because we know that's what you folks care about the most at the moment. That is until, uh, you know, things like the... Combine come around and the NFL draft looms larger. There's a lot going on uh, in college football, even though there aren't games being played. Some of the topics we're going to discuss today: the uh, coach coaching carousel that has moved rather quickly. Uh, you know, in the past ten days after signing day, is that a problem? Is it something we need to address? Can we see any kind of legislation going down? What will be the ramifications of all this? post-signing day coach movement. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about uh, the top recruiters. Amos uh, was talking about how we uh, have become a nation of lists. Here's another one, top recruiters. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Roquan Smith. If you uh, don't know who that is, you may remember National Signing Day. It took about an hour to get some UCLA gloves on uh, on signing day on an ESPN ceremony. Uh, looks like he's not going to UCLA. So we'll talk about Roquan Smith and his rather uh ground breaking move, Emil. He's gonna forego a letter of intent, uh what ramifications And man, will that maybe have?
1: you do you, maybe if you have an understanding of that you can explain it because I was trying to understand what you know, what that means. So maybe when we get into that segment you can just if you if you do understand what that means, explain it to me
3: uh somewhat of an understanding but uh you know I think we're going to all learn more about that as we go along here as the uh, young man attempts to yeah. uh, embark on his college football career without signing a letter of intent and perhaps we can discuss what um ramifications that will have going forward uh, there's a couple of other things for us to talk about. NFL free agency is around. Perhaps we can touch on that a little bit. If you want to call us on the show today, feel free to do so. The number to call is 347 633 9365. Again, 347 633 9365. Almost forgot the
2: phone number there, Emil. Um, it's or age. You can
3: reach us on Twitter. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Blame it on age. Man, I wasn't the one getting called old on Facebook yesterday, Mr. Smartphone. Okay? I, I Boy, know. That's not me. All right. I know. Nevertheless, if you want to reach us today on Twitter, you can do so at Gridiron Studs. I'm in the midst of one of my rants. Emil uh, just went on a rant about Package Deal Guy. Do you know who Package Deal Guy is?
1: The package Deal Guy is the coach that says, hey, listen, if you want this piece of gold over here, then you've also got to take the coal or perceived coal that goes with it. Otherwise, you can't have the gold
2: yeah well you're
3: you're you're right about the situation you're not right about who the subject of package deal guy is package deal guy is the uh cole he's the cole in the in the in that in that whole scenario you just laid oh, out oh so you're so, saying
1: it's not the coach it's the, he's 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 the number 2 he's the wingman
3: yeah yeah he's the he's he's the fat girl on the double date that's going to get totally disrespected and ignored when he gets on campus because he so wanted to go to XYZ school, and maybe he knew this or didn't realize this, but he was able to go to XYZ school because um, he was part of a package deal to get another guy that XYZ school really, really wanted. So I went on my rant about that. You know, you have guys out there that will promise a kid that they can get him an offer, and he may uh, not indeed belong at the school. That he's trying to get this offer to, and guys will promise it and force it. And basically, the way that they make that happen is they hold hostage a big-time recruit and uh, tell a school, "You are going to get this big-time recruit when you offer this other guy, who I know you don't really, really want and would never offer otherwise." But if you're going to get, but we got a package star
2: deal
1: start, going here.
3: Got a package deal and. Now you become package deal guys, so you show up on campus, and uh you're just a bump out there and uh five star Larry gets all of the attention, and you can barely get yourself any playing time so uh just my uh warning to you know guys out there that uh so so wanna be at a school, it could turn into a nightmare for you. It can be a really, really ugly um experience for you when you show up there thinking you're gonna somehow get your way. Onto the field um, at XYZ University that you've always wanted to go to, and you just find yourself always at the middle to bottom of the depth chart. And I've uh, seen crazy things done. You know, you could be like a forever backup. You know, you're you're there, you're third on the depth chart, and the two guys in front of you get hurt, and they move a guy from another position right over in front of you. You're, you're like third on the you're
1: like third on the special teams depth chart. You're third on every depth chart.
3: That's it, man. You will get on the field. That will be when you run through the tunnel to begin the game, and that will be the end of your on-the-fieldness.
1: <laughs> when they you blow the, the smoke up is when you're getting on the field. You that's can come it, on then, and, and that's it.
3: And you better jog slowly and get as much of that feel as you can because you ain't getting back on there, friend. All right? Package deal guy. So go to a school that wants you.
1: Oh, Bottom line. Great.
3: All right? I get that you always wanted to go to – you know, so and so school that plays on ABC every week, but man, what good is it if you're watching a game like everyone else? Man, go to the Mr. Package guy
1: Deal one. guy. Sounds like a commercial. I'm, t- I'm trying to remember the jingle.
3: Yeah, um, I may have to put something together for that. But that Mr. was Mr. Package Deal warning. guy. Package yeah. Deal guy. Just, just my warning to uh, you know the potential recruits that are coming here. Don't be that guy, Mr. Package Deal guy. I sense a bit coming on. I may have to do here and play it on the. Uh, studs. somehow
1: I sense a bit coming out for you too,
3: yeah, there you go, all right, uh, not one of the issues, um, but not the most pressing issue. We've got this situation going on Amal. you know, I think you've been paying somewhat of attention to it um but it you think i pay to,
1: you know I pay attention come on man
3: it it seems to be an epidemic this year it's happening uh it's either happening more this year or it's uh, it's just getting more attention, but we've got this situation now where coaches are bringing players on, getting them signed up on National Signing Day, and then within 24, 48, 72 hours, they're off to another destination. Uh, I don't know what you're feeling on that. I've been preaching this leading up to Signing Day and post-Signing Day. Please pick a school. Don't Pick a coach. And I know that's difficult because that's the guy that's recruiting you, the guy who's calling you, the guy who's going to come do the in-home visit. It's hard not to get attached. But um, you better like the school that that guy's attached to, that that coach is attached to. Well, yeah, but if you just solve the problem.
1: I mean, that is that is my feeling. I mean, I've, I've said that on the show here with you. I've mm-hmm. said that before I knew you. When I, was, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I never understood. You know what I mean? I said that 20 years ago. I never understood why people get attached to a person that is fluid. I mean, the coach is fluid, especially now, especially 20 years ago. You might have a coach that stayed 8, 10, 15 years. Today, I mean, that's the exception. That's not the norm. So why why kids pick, a, you know, and they pick a school not just for the head coach, which is which is even worse. They're picking it because the assistant that recruited them. And the I'm assistant is more fluid. fluid.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, it's a – it's a big situation. I guess the one of the more uh publicized ones early on was uh, Stan Drayton, uh running back coach at Ohio State, Champs, Ohio State, um taking off and getting an NFL job um soon thereafter. And um it, it it's yeah, was it was the recruit Manhattan. Weber
1: that was ticked off?
3: Was he was he a Michigan guy or so? Was it Weber the running? Well, back? Weber was already in some a bunch of a swirl of controversy because he was uh, you know a Michigan guy, and then ended up going to Ohio State. So there was a little bit of stuff going on there w- with that, and then yes, he eventually ended up signing with Ohio State, and then found out that uh, running back coach Stan Drayton was moving on. Now I happen to know Stan Drayton very great guy um excited that he has this opportunity to advance his career but um it's a situation where a kid thought this guy was going to coach him for at least 2 or 3 years of his career at at Ohio State and and now that's not going to be the case so
1: wrong
3: yeah i don't know what you i don't know what you tell kids in this case a coach is in a situation and i'm not here to uh bang on on the coaches Absolutely not. They're in a a profession where there isn't a ton of loyalty. And like you said, it's very fluid. Coaches get hired and fired. And when you have an opportunity to advance your career and move on to a better opportunity, you'd better take it. Now, here's a situation for a coach, a position coach. If he interviews for a job, which, you know, you know how the NFL season works. A lot of guys, a lot of teams uh, end in January. When January comes, they're looking to, you know, make whatever necessary changes they need to make and fill positions. So these college coaches will interview for jobs in January. Right. And they may get those jobs in January. And it is very difficult for them now to go to turn around and say, hey, and start telling recruits, I'm going to be leaving to another job um, in January. Uh, can you tell her you will trash your recruiting class you will trash your entire position that you're recruiting for and it's not only just your position because a running back coach just so that you know i don't know if you know how this works but for anyone out there who's thinking about this A running back coach is a running back coach, so he's going to see all the running backs that are being recruited for his school. But the running back coach also has an area that he's recruiting. So let's say it's Florida. He's down here in Florida. He's also recruiting tight ends and defensive ends and linebackers and offensive linemen and quarterbacks in every position in a certain area. So him saying in January that I'm leaving for another job, won't be at the university, will affect those recruits at those other positions that he's recruiting.
2: Well, yes,
1: but, you know, the bottom line is it could affect your future recruiting anyway because you're going to get a bad reputation. I mean, I think you owe it maybe not to make a public announcement as best you can do this, but to at least give the kids a heads up on a personal call and say, hey, you know, I'd appreciate it. I know that we live in the Twitter world if you could, you know, keep this to yourself, but I owe it to you oh, to yeah, tell you.
3: right? Is that what you're saying? Well, it might not it happen, happens. but don't you think you you might not Let me tell you something, Emil. Let me explain this to you, okay? You're the head coach of said institution, all right? You're you're the head coach of Scranton University, the national champions. Well, we haven't lost since
1: 1960, just to make it clear for the listeners.
3: Outstanding information being released here on the Gridiron Stud Show. But nevertheless, I'm one of your assistant coaches, and I'm out, and I happen to be a pretty good recruiter. And right now I'm responsible for 12 guys that are looking to come into this class Three of them are five-star recruits, and we're going to get a big-time class based a lot on the work that I've been doing out on the road. Are you going to be okay with me going out and telling those 12 guys that I am taking a position at another school and face the reality that at least half of those guys are going to move on to another place and perhaps even go to my rival or you know, and 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 end up in someone else's recruiting class. Are you going to be okay with that?
1: Probably not. But let me flip. Let me flip the, your question with a question. Am I going to be okay with? I don't tell them. Mm-hmm. They come here. Half of them mm-hmm. are unhappy.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: they either don't play to their potential because they're not focused. They're looking, thinking of well, you know where they would rather be, or they decide to transfer or transfer or. I get a Roquan Smith situation, which has now gained national publicity and is going to make the next guy next year traveling across the country to go to UCLA think twice about what UCLA is telling him because they saw what happened to this guy.
3: Well, let's let's hold off on the Roquan Smith because that's okay. new ground and new territory. So okay. Prior to this year. I mean, I college... understand
1: what you're saying. Believe me, I'm not naive. I get it. I know what you're saying but but it's a damned if you if you do and damned if you don't situation mm-hmm. and i almost think you, you, you have to tell the kids i mean you know you can't just look at them these kids are making decisions that affect their life they're 17 18 years old mm-hmm. and to not tell a kid especially when you're talking about the distance in some of these cases some of these kids are traveling to different parts of the most many of them are traveling to different mm-hmm. parts of the country and going there and the coach the head coach understands that there's a bond that forms with these recruiters. And you got an 18-year-old kid that's 1,500, 2,000 miles from home. That might not be a good situation when he gets there and he feels like the, the father figure uh, that recruited him is, is not going to be there. So that's just my take.
3: Here's the, Well, I mean, in this day and age, with the amount of money that is at stake, that is based off of your wins and losses, and sometimes off of your recruiting classes, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to expect uh, the coaches to make such a revelation. Um, you're better off with one or two kids going through the entire the, – being so unhappy out of those 12, out of the scenario I set up, two of them being so unhappy that they follow through all the way uh, with the transfer process. Then six of those kids making the easy decision – prior to signing day, to go somewhere else, if you're just looking at it from raw numbers. Well, um,
1: yeah, statistically speaking, I would agree with you. Yeah,
3: Yeah, and when you're talking about uh, having a problem recruiting the next year, uh, coaches will just say, number one, when I get this kid on campus, we'll do what we need to do to make him happy. He'll be happy, unhappy at first because coach left. Um, at that point, we'll sell him on all the other reasons why he needs to be here, which should have been his focus beforehand, but nevertheless, coaches believe in their ability to do that. And you are bound by a letter of intent that you signed anyway, so it's going to make it a little bit more difficult for you to pick up and 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 take off. And, um, you know, that'll probably give me some time to sell you on why you need to be a part of, you know, a recruiting class. It's almost like right. a salesman that, you know, didn't tell you about a little something in the fine print and say you know, figures once i get the product in your hand you'll fall in love with it and so on you'll love that. it right yeah they, that's pretty much what's going on out there but this thing is um it's become really a big deal this this off season so i talked about Stan Drayton you also had Notre Dame's running back coach Tony Alford he went to go fill Stan Drayton's position at Ohio State leaving Notre Dame that means Notre Dame's got to find a coach to fill that position and there are a number of guys that are up for it. I'm not even sure. As we speak, this may have been filled, or it may have been filled already, and I didn't see it. But I think we're somewhere around 12, 13, maybe even 14 coaches. Um, and we're, what, 10 days removed from National Signing Day? About about that many coaches oh, yeah. that have made that <clears throat> move. A ton of them. And it's, uh, it's, it's quite amazing. There was even one announced today, University of Georgia's wide receiver coach, Tony Ball, is heading over to LSU. So... All of you, uh, University of Georgia 2015 wide receiver signees. I don't know how attached you were to Tony Ball, but uh, he's making the move. Nebraska's DB coach, Charlie Warren, is heading over to North Carolina. That's announced today. So it just continues on and on and on. I don't know how many of these things we're going to end up with. The other
1: thing that hurts some of these programs, and and when we get to our recruiter rankings we'll talk about this, is that some programs, and this is where you can have an advantage that, that people don't realize about, some schools pay very well for assisting the coaches and we've talked about this on other shows. Mm-hmm. And others pay very poorly. Now, obviously Wisconsin was one of those that got talked about when he went out to Oregon State, the coach mm-hmm. left. Um I've heard that Georgia doesn't pay their assistants very well. Mm-hmm. Um and I know a school like just cause because I follow surprised. USC, USC pays great mm-hmm. the assistance. Yeah. So
3: Yeah, and that'll cause that'll that'll cause some movement. You
2: know, that'll well, sure. If I was if,
1: listen, if I had a great recruiter, and again, we can talk about this in the recruiting rankings, but I'll give you an example, like a T. Martin. If I was running USC's athletic program and I was a Pat Hayden, I'd be paying that guy probably about a million bucks a year. I'd make it so hard for someone to poach him, they'd almost have to make him the head coach.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because um, to me,
1: he's worth that.
3: True, true. And, and oh, listen, you... What you pay a guy as a head coach is not always really up to you. You have a certain amount of budget um, for your assistance. Some guys will give back some of their money, head coaches I'm talking about, in order to uh, pass on some of that money to their assistants. You know, I believe less Well, the private schools, will have
1: more latitude than public schools, I'm sure. I'm sure the public schools are, are – are, there has to be some sort of – uh, I don't know the exact mechanism. I'm going to guess, though, this gets decided at the state level. I mean, if you're a state school, I'm thinking salaries are handled at some- somehow at the state level. W- would you agree mm-hmm. probably that's a, a good assumption?
2: Uh,
3: yeah, you may be right. You may be right on that. We never really, really But I'm know. thinking that um, you know, your,
1: your, your alma mater is terrible with paying, right? Miami, they're not the best.
3: Um, No, that's been a knock on the University of Miami. Yeah, they're private school. Private schools can pretty much do what their board of
1: trustees will allow them to do. So, Um, right. If I'm running a private school that has a big football program, and you know, and I'm USC or Miami, I'm going to the board of trustees and say, I'm going to make my case to say, here's the money this brings in here, and that's why you don't want these assistant coaches being poached because this guy is really good and i think you can make that case at some of them now miami unfortunately is a bad example cuz you guys have 10,000 people show up at a game so it's hard to sell the board of trustees why
3: they need to well, keep anybody well the board of trustees on this if we have better coaches we have better results and when we have better we results we have more people it's, it's proven that it one thing matters down here and it took al golden a while to find that out we hope he's found that out that uh, for all your promotion and great uh, marketing ideas that you may have, there's one thing that the people down here listen to when it comes to sports, win, just win. When that's you win right. games, they show up. When you don't win, they don't show up. That's the bottom line down here in South Florida. But
2: that's been, you know, that's
3: been the case.
1: Now, college football is a bad example because many places the people will still show up, win, lose, or mm-hmm. draw. And that's especially mm-hmm. true in many of the SEC schools. I mean, they,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they have huge attendance, some of them, and they haven't been great for a long time. But mm-hmm. – I mean, in most facets of of sports, that's been true. I mean, look at the Rams, okay? The Rams left L.A. and went to St. Louis, and everybody was jacked up about them. And see, it's so much better here in St. Louis. Uh, People show up, and then they stop winning, and people stop showing up, okay? Uh, The Cardinals were in St. Louis, the football Cardinals, you know, and then Mm -hmm. they went to Arizona, People didn't mm-hmm. start showing up till they started winning a little bit in Arizona. I mean, that's just that's the nature of sports. I mean, you have your fans that are well. There's
3: different degrees to it, though, Emil. I mean,
2: uh, oh, there's there's, there's definitely different where, degrees. But yeah, I think
3: uh, attendance will decline if a team's not doing as well. But it just catastrophically declines right. in South Florida when you're not winning. I mean, there's not a. But I don't think that pullback. makes you a bad a fan drop-off.
1: necessarily. Sometimes I think that on college, I I disagree. I think you should show up because if that's your team, that's your team. They're not mm. getting paid. Um, you, you know, and, you know, you try to show up, okay? But pro sports, the only way you vote is with your money as a fan. and I've said this for a long time. You keep showing up, the owner's got no impetus to change. I mean, I'm a Dodger fan. I watch a lot of baseball on the M you know, I have the, the package, okay? Mm-hmm. If the Dodgers have a good team, I'm more apt to get in my car in the summer and go see a couple games and in philadelphia or new york or when they play the mets or i've I've been out to dodger stadium but let's face it if they're if i look at the team and, and i say hey sonar's not spending any money they're going to win 75 games i'm still watching them because mm-hmm. i'm a fan i'm a loyal fan but i'm not getting in my car and driving to see that crap
3: <laughs> um yeah no i get that um but it's almost like a catch 22 wouldn't you say
1: well in college sports it's a big catch twenty two. In pro sports it sometimes is the driving force that gets the owner to open his eyes or leave one or the other. I mean, they were a great example we've cited on the show in different segments over the years, where I said, you know, the Dodger fans are out there are my hero because they got rid of Frank McCourt. They finally just said, You know what? We've set attendance records, we're one of the the, the uh they are the best drawing team in the history of major league baseball. It's a true fact, okay? Mm-hmm. Um they stopped showing up. You turn on a game, there'd be 20,000 people there. Dodger Stadium fits 55,000. It looked empty. Finally, McCourt went bankrupt. Bye-bye. See you later. Now you got new owners who know what they're doing. That's the only way you can change sometimes. You keep showing up every night, 40,000 people in the seats. The owner has no reason to change. He's just well, like, doesn't hey.
3: doesn't he want to win? Doesn't pride kick in? Isn't Come on, something?
1: man. You know, you're, you're, the, one who, you're the one who said this. You're the driving force behind this statement. Not all owners want to win. <laughs> Not all owners. True. Want to I win. mean,
3: for some of them, it really is. It really is just a business. Well, anyway, we've got this coaching carousel going on, and uh, these kids feel hopeless and helpless. One kid, however, is fighting back, and we'll talk about what he's doing to fight back against a coaching move when we return on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this.
2: the truth well here it is speed kills and in no other sport is that true than in football speed gets you to the end zone speed gets you to the ball carrier speed makes you a winner Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is
3: turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can
2: shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready because you may have found your heaven.
3: FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for
2: sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly
3: to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Studs show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to fanduel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Do it now! Uh. Oops. <laughs> ten twenty seven on a Friday here on the good iron Stud show and uh we talked about the coaching carousel going on post signing day, and a lot of kids feeling disillusioned, lied to disrespected, so on, and so forth and we had a number of uh Dramatic episodes on signing day, one uh, concerning uh, number one recruit in the country, Byron Cowart, who was back and forth, uh, actually signed two letter of intent, one to Florida, one to Auburn. Uh, at the end of the day, he did end up faxing in his letter of intent to Auburn. C.C. Uh, C. Jefferson, another Florida defensive end, uh, took, uh, I want to say, three days to get his letter of intent into Uh, the University of Florida, where he announced on a signing day ceremony on ESPN, uh, Jefferson and uh, more Jefferson's father um, did cite uh, a late coaching change by the uh, University of Florida with his son's position, um, you know, experiencing a change. Coach Terrell Williams left, went to the NFL, and uh another coach came in, so they did express that as a reason. not everyone believed that that was a reason why this was um you know being held up, and nevertheless it is uh it it was put out there, and uh it was a part of what was discussed however, uh none of those things are as dramatic as what's going on with Roquan Smith out of uh Georgia. Young man who I said, uh, explained to you, took, took quite some time to get some UCLA gloves on, uh, committed to uh, UCLA on a uh, signing day ceremony on ESPN for for all to see, but had not yet sent in a letter of intent and still has not done so and is saying, Emil, that he will not. Now you might want to tell the folks at home all of the facts concerning this well
1: let's case. you know let's start at the beginning roquan smith is a i mean they list him as a linebacker he's six foot 203 i mean you know he plays somewhere on defense maybe he ends up being mm-hmm. safety but he's a four-star recruit out of georgia um on rivals very very close to almost being a five-star i think you have to get to six to be a five-star they have a 5.9 on their rating system mm-hmm. so as mm-hmm. far as the tape they've seen they like the player um he, you know, UCLA gets in a recruiting battle, you know, essentially comes down to UCLA and the home school Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. As you said, Smith had a very awkward signing day, you know, he threw out, I think, Michigan's gloves, and, you know, he went through the whole bag and finally got the UCLA gloves on there.
2: Mm-hmm. He was
1: recruited by uh, the UCLA defensive coordinator, uh, Jeff, and his last name starts with a U, I, I'll probably butcher it, so... You know, if you know it, you can say it. If not, let's just say that it's the UCLA defensive coordinator was his recruiter. Um, right. Two things happened in this. Well, Ulbrich.
3: L- Jeff Ulbrich.
1: The, the first was the impetus for the second, okay? Uh, Smith gets to the awkward signing day, signs, you know, but he doesn't sign the letter of intent, announces at the school where he's going, which mm-hmm. which was the UCLA. And then I think it was a pool reporter but somebody there had had tipped him off and alerted him with a question basically you know what do you think about you know the defensive coordinator taking the job today with the Atlanta Falcons as their linebacker coach and mm-hmm. it was like the light bulb went on what you know you know what you talking about Willis remember
3: remember that show <laughs> right exactly yep yep
1: and uh he said huh so he had not you know and UCLA I guess had been really Pastoring him at the time, hey, fax letter of intent in, fax letter of intent, in. and uh, you know he was like to his credit or his parents or whomever. No, you well, know just I need a, to just
3: a, just a couple of quotes from Smith on that. Um, he did say um, when speaking to rivals uh, that Coach Elbrick said that Coach Dan Quinn, who's the head coach now of the Atlanta Falcons, um, called him the night before and that he had declined the offer. And you know if it, it, Smith said now, if you know Coach Moore knew that this was not true, that he should have quote hit me up and said there's potential that Coach Ulbrick may be leaving. He said then they tried to get him to go ahead and send the papers in um eight o'clock that morning before he was going to make the announcement, so they wanted to hurry up and seal the deal by getting the uh the letter of intent facts in as soon as possible, but now, Smith declined at that time for whatever reason um it, i'm that's the part that's got me a little puzzled here. Why did he decline to send in the papers at eight a m um even though he was going to be well announcing i'm i I'm, I'm gonna later go later as far ago. as
1: I've read a little more on this besides that interview I sent you, and I think he was torn i mean we you and I talked about that that, that wrap up show we did. It, it was a very awkward signing uh, uh announcement i mean he he really seemed like a guy that almost was, was committing to something that he wasn't comfortable committing to. And he mm-hmm. had said, I read in one piece about this, and there's been many, that his heart was telling him Georgia, but his mind was telling him UCLA. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling he was hesitant to begin with. Mm-hmm. And the information just put it over the top that it was he was hesitant. And here's here, the point he made. At the end of that interview that I found interesting, I think all kids in this position should really um, listen to what this guy's saying. he did his research after the fact, okay, this young man wanted to be a business major at UCLA. Now mm-hmm. shame on UCLA. they stretched the truth here. They told him, "Oh yeah, yeah, we have a, we have a business major. Mm-hmm. UCLA and I did this myself. I went to their website.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They do not have that I can find an undergrad business major." Mm-hmm. You can be an accounting major, you can be a CPA, but mm-hmm. they don't have a business major. That's only their grad school. Okay? I find so they that amazing, basically.
3: from a school like UCLA to not I have do that, too, right?
1: but they stretch the truth. You know, he said, do you have a business major? Well, they do, just you have to go through four years of college somewhere else to, mm-hmm. to have it mean anything because you have to go to their grad school. So, mm-hmm. you know, I find that pretty unique too. It's a public university. You would think that uh, I mean, their crosstown rival USC has the Marshall School of Business, a very famous business school. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get
3: that. More um, plugs for the Trojans. So shameless. Well,
1: I mean, help. I just don't understand how you could be in the same city with a huge school like UCLA, a well-respected school, and not have a business major. But that's a different show and a different, you know, topic. But
2: <laughs> right. so anyway,
1: they, okay. they didn't have a business major. So he found this out after the fact, and that's that's a, a learning lesson, I think. For people and kids in this position and parents to say, make sure what you know. You do your homework. Don't don't ask the coach. Hey, uh, I want to be a, a, a heart surgeon. Do you have a pre med program? Oh, sure, we do. Mm. You think that you know? You're going to count on the coach to know that?
3: Right, right. Come
2: exactly.
3: on. Very, very true. Very true. Um, can't fault you with with your thought on that one. Um, at the end of the day, though, Raquan Smith is going to. Um, take a groundbreaking approach to recruiting. He's going to attend um, one of these schools. It sounds like it's going to be Georgia.
1: It is. Uh, you know
3: going to go to Georgia without signing a letter of intent, which uh, many people didn't realize, and I hadn't uh, known this myself, that it's not necessary in the process for you to sign a letter no, of intent. No, because once
1: you show up on campus, when you're allowed to show up, which is in the summer, if you're as long as you're not an early enrollee, from what I understand, is you get your scholarship money, and away you go. I mean, I think the letter of intent is a one-way street, and it only works to the benefit of the school. From what I can tell in reading this, am I wrong? I mean,
3: that is exactly how it is set up. It just binds you to uh, the school that you're signing with, and offers you no benefits. The recruit uh, going well, it does offer
1: recruit. you one. I think the the benefit Guarantees is you I. The scholarship. You're guaranteed the scholarship at that point. Now, I mean, obviously, if you're going to show up in the summer and you're, you know, you're you're relying on that school then to not give away the scholarship, and if you're a good enough player, like it appears this guy is, most schools would probably say, "Hey, no problem." If you're a borderline, and I hate using this this these star systems, but we're we're relegated to that. But you're a three star player, let's say, they may not hold that scholarship for you. They may say, "Okay, well." You know,
3: right. we worked on exactly. we worked
1: on something. We got somebody else,
3: which you know could very well happen anyway. Um, to be honest with you, uh, they've got they've got little tricks to the trade to get. A well, kid no, out they do. Program, and then let's let's
1: don't. face it: there's no benefit for the guys that you read about, the guys you mentioned earlier in the show that were holding it up. There's no benefit to them. I mean, any school in the country would find a way to get. Most of those guys on their team, <laughs> so it doesn't really matter if they have a a letter of intent signed. If they showed up in in July and said, "Hey, I want to play ball,"
3: I guarantee. Yeah, I'm you that... thinking about this though. Um, what are going to be what what are what are colleges and the NCAA going to do to combat such a thing? Because uh, given the amount of coach movement and um, you know there'll be a lot of eyes on Raquan Smith and how this all turns out for him. We could see this being done with greater regularity in coming classes and could be a little troublesome for the college programs going forward. And so, you know, anything that's not to their advantage, you know, will be attacked vigorously.
1: Yeah, I don't know what they're – you know, right now the whole process, uh, generally speaking, of player movement in college football, I've become more and more troubled with what's going on. I mean, I don't like this stuff where – a guy graduates and he becomes a one year free agent. I'm not real big into that. Mm-hmm. Um you've almost you know what I'm saying, you want to keep as best you can that delineation between college and pro sports. You and I have been advocates about not paying players because, mm-hmm. you know, when you when you when you scratch that line like it's the batter's box, you know, you start Yeah. Scratching out that back line, all of a sudden you don't know. You know you have the guy standing near the umpire. Okay, mm-hmm. so I mean, mm-hmm. it's yep. it's kind of like the same thing here. You know, I I I don't like these guys and the way things are going right now. I mean, you got too many guys moving one year. This kid this year is going to Oregon. Russell Wilson's a famous one who went from NC State to Wisconsin. It's become too too much, and I don't know what they're going to do here. I don't know how you stop it. The transfer rule. I don't know how I feel about sitting out a year. I mean, part of me says, you know, why can't a kid just transfer to a different school and play? But then the other part of me says, then you're going to have kids transferring for no good reason just because they're not playing. It's going to become the right. wild west. I mean,
3: yeah, it's tough. It's a, uh, it's, it's hard to know which way to go on it. But I'm guarantee you, this is going to be a part of meetings going forward. This I mean, is how do you feel about that? To I mean, I've tough. always
1: said, you know, there's a side of me that says, geez, you know you're 20 years old and you don't want to go to a school, you just want to go someplace else, you should be able to go and play, but then the other side of me says, okay, we've got 85-90 guys on all these teams. So we basically have, you know, let's say 15,000 guys playing division 1 football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're going to get a whole group of messy of kids just moving school to school because they can't get playing time and I'm not sure that's good for the sport either or for the kid actually. In many yeah, cases Yeah, I d-
3: I don't know that it's broken enough that something needs to be done um, it could get broken there's a potential for it to get broken but at this point in time I don't know that it's broken enough maybe there's a crack in it but I don't know that it's broken enough that we need to change what is status quo uh, there has to be some kind of safeguards there has to be some kind of barriers to just moving around uh, or this could get it turned into a really really crazy situation where kids just pick up and leave and they can be a myriad of reasons. I'm down here in South Florida where kids hop high schools like crazy. It's difficult to figure out who's playing where next. And that goes for college coaches who come down and they visit one school and see a kid in the hallway of that school that they was thought they were going to visit at another school. It's just mad madness down here. And you and you, know, you have to
1: look at it the other way, too. I know there's a lot of people out there that always want to take the side of the athlete. Oh, well, mm-hmm. they're being exploited. See, I don't really see it as much like that. And I, I don't think you do either. Everybody says mm-hmm. they they throw that term around, exploited, because these colleges make billions on these kids. Well, first of all, mm-hmm. they have to make a lot of money to support these programs. It's no mm-hmm. secret that in most cases, football and basketball support all the other sports at the university. Sure. You're being given a free education if you take advantage of it.
3: Free. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I have a kid going to school this year.
2: You have, you have
3: a couple in school. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. cheap. Not at all. Not in the <laughs> least bit, friend. So Not in the least bit.
1: This whole thing about, you know, oh, you know, they're being exploited. Well, they're being exploited only if they don't take advantage and they, they put up silly things on twi- uh, Twitter like, man, we have to go to these stupid classes. You know, like you're mm-hmm. only there to play football. Well, that's your problem. You don't want to go to class? Good luck. Hope you make it in the NFL. If you don't, exactly. it's a long life.
3: No, um you you're definitely right on that. So, uh, you know, that's those we've touched on two major issues that I promise you're gonna be a part of recruiting going forward, hot and heavy. The next signing day we're gonna see um exactly where they go on both of those things. One, the number of college coaches moving around so close after signing day. It's gonna be interesting to see how that is handled, how that's discussed this off season and then what the results will be next off season, and then kids deciding that they don't necessarily want to sign a letter of intent. I think we might see that even more going forward unless some kind of a rule or, um, you know, an adjustment is made to the way that operates. I think these are things that are going to be a part well, of the future. Well, maybe they can put a clause in now. there.
1: Maybe they can put a clause in there, no kidding, on your letter of intent. Saying that on every letter of intent you have to list, maybe they already do, I don't know, because you would know, you've you've seen them, I haven't. Maybe you put who the lead recruiter was on the letter of intent, and if he if he leaves the university within 90 days from signing of the letter of intent, the player is given a period of time to back out of the letter of intent without sitting out a year.
3: Something like that. Um, sounds like a good idea.
1: I mean, I'm but just throwing also, something out. Maybe you say, okay, signing day is February 1st. Let's make it simple. If the, your lead recruiter uh, Chad Wilson leaves the University of East Cupcake State uh, by May before May 1st, uh, this letter of intent is, is become uh, at the player's option can be null and voided without sitting out a year.
3: Uh You know, perhaps I think in that situation you probably see guys stick around longer, and you know, of course that puts them through spring ball, which is a tough thing to do, but um, maybe that's I, I. You may just get a longer version of what we just had. These coaches knew they were leaving prior to signing day. and They just but they on. couldn't
1: leave. I mean, think about it. If you, you know how the deal works with the NFL and all. The NFL has their mini camps in the spring just as well. And if you're going to get a coaching job, unless something unforeseen happens, mm-hmm. usually you're on board for the program when the league year starts, the beginning of March. We're going to see mm-hmm. that next month with the free agency. They usually want the the coaches on board unless it's you know unforeseen circumstances so if if you're locked in into may first if you 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 are know, not just going to stay to keep a kid because you're you're basically foregoing that job till the following year
3: okay now if you've got these type of clauses going um what about now the head coaches being a little more reluctant to have their assistants you know move on be interviewed so on and so forth. Well, they can't stop
1: him from being interviewed in the NFL, and I'm not even sure you can stop a guy as long as he's getting promoted. Can you? I don't know the rules. I mean, I know you can't stop a guy from going to the NFL because the NFL has no bearing on college.
3: True, true, and I don't know the exact rules, but you know how rules are. You work your way around rules, so I think there may be some barriers put up there. Man, as a head coach, you're trying to protect your recruiting class. You can't have your recruiting class destroyed, marred, uh, taken to pieces by a guy or a couple of guys uh, making late moves. Point Well, experience. I'm going to tell
1: you this. The powers in college football are always going to be, as you and I have termed them, the blue blood programs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't think most of the blue blood programs give a damn because they recruit themselves. I could mm-hmm. give you a whistle and give me a clipboard, and I'll follow you around and make notes when you're recruiting. And between the two of us, we could knock on doors and get quite a few recruits at Alabama and Texas and USC and Florida wouldn't be real hard. And the
3: truth of the matter is when you sign up as a coach at one of these type programs you're instantly regarded as a good coach. Like why well, would yeah. Georgia hire Well, they wouldn't give you the job, you right? I mean that's coach. the assumption yeah why, yeah, why would Charlie Strong bring me on at Texas if I'm not a good coach so you're and you've give, been given instant credibility. So uh, I get the whole process because I've been through it once as a player, been through it as as a parent. Um, you know, kids do kind of latch on to the personality of coaches, and quite honestly, they recruit off of that. I mean, you buy people. We don't buy products. We don't. No, I services, understand, but I think you
1: get I do get my point. I mean, let's face it. Part of the allure of of you know uh, you know the, who's the, the big recruiter from Alabama? Cristobal? Is that how you say his name? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Part of the allure of his recruiting is he's a great recruiter, and I'm sure he's a very good people person. The other allure is he's doing it for Alabama. You see my point?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's harder to recruit.
1: Do you think he'd be the best recruiter in the country if he was at mm, Kentucky? Uh,
3: Unless he did something really amazing and snatched up some guys. But this leads very nicely, Emil, um, into the next topic that we're going to discuss, and that is who are – the top recruiters in college football. At least one outlet would like to let you all know what that is, and we'll discuss that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this.
2: <laughs> what is it? Maybach music. <laughs>
0: The 7-on-7 seven seven season, summer basketball,
3: family picnics, all around the corner. And you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers?
0: Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself
2: at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right. With heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by tshirtsupplies.com. You can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions.
3: It's great for birthday gifts. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design
2: your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at T-ShirtSupplies.com. That's t-shirts, most hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, .com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER, t-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now.
3: Winning day's ended, but not the college football recruiting talk, and that's been all that we have talked about on this uh, Gridiron Stud show today. And I don't think any of our listeners out there uh, would complain. We do have a, a large listenership. Is that a word? Listenership. Uh, if it is
1: now, I mean, you just made it up. It's yours.
3: <laughs> the gridiron, gridiron showism um But uh, a, a large portion of our audience does uh, engage in the whole College football recruiting and high school football things. So that is uh, the uh, topic of discussion. Well, let me ask today. you
1: something because you're because you, you know you follow all these football, you know you follow football probably as much if not more than anybody I know. Um, don't you think in the off season at least the college stuff is more interesting
3: than following? Um, I mean the NFL, other than the free agency. Of, yeah, yeah. Outside of outside, of, I don't even. But this is a personal thing. I don't get too big into the whole free agency thing. It's a bunch of stupid moves. Uh, too much money paid for guys who were best staying where the hell they were. Well, so I sent you that really article yesterday.
2: They, the guy
1: called out the Dolphins in Tennessee because he's had a couple of years now to look at those big 2013 splash moves, and now that we're out, we're out two years, and he just pointed out what you and I've pointed out for years on these uh, on the show is that you know most of these big splash moves in NFL free agency don't pan out. Mm-hmm. So paying attention to it is kind of almost. A waste of your time unless you play fantasy football because it's probably not going to change your team very much. At least in college, yeah, I know. this stuff I mean, changes your team. There's splash
3: moves. There's splash moves, but it's the fans that end up all wet at the end of the day because you <laughs> don't get what you expected out of a out of a guy and then out of the team in response. I mean, and there's only, Amal, let's think about this. Three moves maybe uh, made during each offseason that are significant. Well, this year, you
1: know, if you look at the NFL and we're diverging, we'll get back to college in a second. You look at the NFL free agent class, right? I would say there's probably top of my head five guys that if they were to change teams could impact a team positively. Um Sue, if you can keep him from getting suspended, Justin Houston, uh Des Bryant, maybe maybe Demaryius Thomas, you know, and I could struggle and find someone else. But my point is None of those guys, other than maybe Sue, are changing teams. Mm-hmm. Houston will end up in Kansas City, I'll tell you that right now. Brian's right. getting a franchise tag. He's staying in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Demarius Thomas I'm not as sure about, but I think he'll stay in Denver. But so where I'm going with this is there's going to be you one guy. You think this stuff
3: is a play for fantasy football, which has become a big part of the NFL? It is. There's there's audience. one guy,
1: I think, in the NFL that could change the fortune of a franchise, if he went to the right team this year, that that actually could change teams, and I think that's nagamazam Nagama, blah, blah 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 whatever. Sue, say Sue
3: <laughs> yes. I stepped, stepped on your ankle. You, yes, I that? stepped. But it? you
1: know what I'm saying. I think he's the one guy that could actually help a, a contending team go over the top, and he probably won't end up on a contending team because they don't have the cap room to put him in there. He's going to end up on a team like the Raiders, who have the most cap room in the league. So, uh, why are we paying attention? Yeah, do we want
3: to? Do we want to see that?
1: Do I want to see yeah. him as a raider?
3: Yeah, I mean that's—he's almost too much raider to be a raider.
1: I think if he was a raider, he would probably, if he could, get suspended even more and, and actually be applauded for it.
3: Be a disaster. Uh, we're going to get into our uh, discussion that we're talking about here with with the top recruiters in the country. But how about? The Minnesota Vikings saying they would welcome Adrian Peterson back. Really? I don't want that's, to yeah, That's yeah, that's like and a chill, guy saying no that's like, you know, Kate no, no Upton sh- Pardon? <laughs> I mean, no bleep to that one, right? Of course well, not. That's what I'm, what I'm what I'm saying
1: is that's that's like Kate Upton she ate crackers in your bed and you say I I would welcome her back in.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> for crying out loud. I mean, holy state in the obvious and you put that up in big quotes. Come on, man. We're really starving for news when we're saying that one. That's ridiculous. To your note though about uh you know can guys change a rec- uh, you know a, a a a franchise by moving let's take a look real quick real quick at the top quarterback cuz I mean I mean quarterback this this is a league run by the quarterbacks as they as they say and that's the most important position let's look at your free agents real quick your top 5 free agents uh at the quarterback position in the NFL number 1's Brian Hoyer does that get you excited about anything there? I mean, do you really need, you, need
1: to go down? You just said Brian Hoyer. Do we need two through five? Do we mean... need?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if he's leading the pack, we're in deep crap. If you're a free agent junkie, Mark Sanchez, your boy, Mister Butt Fumble himself, is number two. Jake Locker, number three, for crying out loud. Number four is Josh McCown. I'd almost forgotten that Josh was still playing yeah. in the NFL. And number five is my my guy. You know I like this guy, and I oh, and you and you know you know, Colt McCoy, uh, Colt McCoy. I know Dallas you love Colt. Damn it, just off the name alone. But that's what you're looking at as a uh, quarterback free agency class for 2015. Try to get excited. How about my guy though? Dallas. How about
1: Murray? Basically, you know, coming out. He's now he's always been a high character guy. I mean, no doubt about mm. it. And I posted a story yesterday about what he did for some kids that lost their house in a fire. He's just a good guy. But he basically is telling Jerry Jones, please sign me. I mean, he's done everything but admit that, listen, just give me something fair and I'll sign.
3: Yeah, and and, for some reason, we have a delay in getting this done. Now, perhaps the Dallas brass would be moving a little more urgently if he had started saying, you know, I'm looking at going somewhere else. That's how this stupid thing works. Like well, I mean, I think at both sides, there's a
1: case of an example, and you, you said this, and I really do hope he stays. I mean, I, I'm i not delusional. I don't think DeMarco Murray's the best running back in the NFL. I mean, I think he's probably in the top five at this point. But
3: He fits pretty damn good behind that line they got. That's through. right. He, he fits the what they, they do, go.
1: and I hope both sides realize that he's better in Dallas and they're better with him because the Cowboys really don't want to use a first-round pick this year on a running back. Even if mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon or Gurley False to number twenty seven. They need they're they're basically a couple good defensive players away from being a serious, serious Super Bowl contender. Hell, they were a contender for it last year. You fix your defense. You 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 know, you're one of the two or three favorites. There's no reason to waste a first round pick on a running back if you can keep the guy
3: that you have who just turned twenty seven years old. Totally makes sense to me. That's why it might not make sense to uh, the guy's calling the shots here. But anyway, let's get stop. back to college.
1: We got off on our little NFL tangent. So yeah, you, we're have plenty fans. of time to talk about
3: yeah. uh, who's going where and what and for how much money uh, coming up down the road here in future shows. Getting back to the college football game, uh, there have been some rankings released of uh, the top recruiters. And let me just expose, uh, expose some of the BS that comes along with lists. Uh, and specifically this one uh e s p n has a list that's the one that we're gonna use for this for the uh discussion here um you know what this list is based off of you know what this ranking is based off of it's basically um based on the number of e s p n top three hundred recruits that were recruited by the recruiter say that oh it so to start, you gotta believe in how they rank the three hundred players to then turn around and believe in the coach who happened to pick up the players that were were ranked. So, uh, you know, that's how this whole thing works. And you said uh, we've become a nation of lists, but all lists have an angle, trust me. Well,
1: that's why – why do you think when we did our post, you know, our our recap show, I took all four services and summarized them and at least tried to give people a guide? Because my theory is, hey, listen – they all have an angle, they all view the players differently, and they all view their rankings a little bit differently. But if I combine them, at least I'm getting a pretty decent snapshot with a lot of different opinions to just kind of say, generally, here's where you're
3: falling. I mean,
2: I think... Yeah, to, and even to, in that,
3: and you remember when we were having the discussion, there were a couple of uh, teams that had really large discrepancies um, in terms of how they were ranked in between services, you know, like uh, almost five or six yeah. spots removed. And that had everything to do with they didn't regard a certain player or players the way that another service did. It starts with the ranking of the players.
2: Well, my general feeling
1: on all the college football recruiting is simple. If your team is in the top ten in almost all the services, whether you're one or ten, you had a Mm -hmm. good class, I mean, as far as on paper. I mean, that's basically it. I don't care if you're one or you're ten. Bottom line is you had a good class. I mean, who knows? who knows if you're you know if you deserve to be one or you deserve to be nine the bottom you know there's 220 some teams if you're in the top 10 in recruiting you got good players that's all you had that's all you need like to know
3: seems like Boise State and BYU beg to differ they're routinely in the 60 somethings in between but you, and you and I, I talked
1: about that that's they get the right player doesn't mean they right. get the most talented player they get the and they right player they develop the player. hell
3: out of them too that's by right. the way like they coach them hard because Uh, Why? Because they know uh, we're not pulling in another five-star next year. So let's put a little something into the kid that we got. How about that? How about we expend some energy and, you know, try and get the most out of each kid that we get? All right, nevertheless, uh, let's go through these rankings. Number 10 is Tim Horton. He's from a school called Auburn that did very well and has uh, more than one coach in the top ten list, by the way. He's at Auburn. He pulled in the three. ESPN top three hundred recruits, the biggest of which was on Johnson. Uh Auburn, what did you think of Auburn's recruiting that they did? Uh, I,
1: thought, I mean I think Auburn. I think they've done a great I think their biggest recruit may have been getting the old Florida coach to be their defensive coordinator because to me that was the one thing holding Auburn back. And then you take mm-hmm. a guy like Muschamp, you bring him in there and you know, you bring in some of the recruits they had and I think you know Auburn becomes a much more ser- I know they just won a national championship, okay, I get that a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, but I think they become a much more serious player on a consistent basis because they went from national champion to four or five losses last year. I think Auburn could become you know another Alabama type deal where every year they're ten and two, eleven and one if if they can right. fix the defense.
3: Yeah. Uh only downside for Horton was he was uh ranked number six last time they did this. He's now number ten. Um so uh, we'll see where he ends up next year. Number nine, Steve Stripling from another SEC school. It's Tennessee. Tennessee does always a good job in recruiting. And uh, Stripling was able to bring in five ESPN top 300 recruits, the uh, best of which was number 26 on that list. Now, you've been so there, there, right? You've kids.
1: been visited Tennessee?
3: To Tennessee, yes. Uh,
1: I've heard from, from, from some of my friends in the south that I do my my regular business with, my regular everyday mm-hmm. job, that mm-hmm. – the fans down there are completely off the chain, especially when they get good. Like, like in other words, like their fans are are really nuts.
3: They are extremely supportive, um, and they do a good job in their recruiting game. Um, you know, rival schools or rival fans may not want to hear this, but Tennessee, for the most part, as much as fans can be, are respectful, let me say, in the recruiting process. I don't see them as much dogging kids when they decide to not go to Tennessee or if they were a Tennessee um, commit and then they changed, um, I don't see as much dogging coming from them. And they usually are quick to reach out and support and uh, and tell players, uh, you know, how great it is to be a Tennessee volunteer. Now, when a coach decides he doesn't want to coach for them anymore, totally different story Is Lane Kiffin. Yeah, but um, I, I heard it's a, I heard it's a, a great college
1: atmosphere there. So I guess that, you know, in a way – you know, if if you have the right guy there, he can do a pretty damn good job recruiting.
3: Yes, and I do believe in uh, in 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 my man Butch over there. Butch Jones is going to do a good job with Tennessee if if allowed to do so. Number eight on the list, Brian Jean Mary, coming from the school of Texas. He signed three ESPN top three hundred recruits. Top the uh, best of which was being uh, number thirty one on the list, Malik Jefferson. Um Gene Mary was number five last year. But well he's automatically habit,
1: he's got extra credibility play. with me because he's got that double last name. I love that stuff.
3: Yeah, but Gene Mary? Well I, I mean yes,
1: it's one. not it's not <laughs> masculine, but I bet you he's a big dude and he could kick my butt, so I'm I'm going with <laughs> he's got the double last name, so I like that.
3: Yeah, well Mr. Gene Mary from uh Texas is number eight on the list. Number seven, Jerry Montgomery. Who's at Oklahoma formerly? Formerly was at Michigan. The last time I saw him, he had a Michigan uh, polo shirt on. Nevertheless, uh, pulled in four top, uh ESPN top 300 recruits. So that's
1: a weird one to me because Oklahoma, we touched on last show, I mean, you know, you don't think of Oklahoma, and there's nothing wrong with having the number 15 recruiting class in the country. I mean, it's still pretty good. But you always think Oklahoma doing better than that, even though I don't think that's the case. I think it's more of our perception. Uh, we'll, matter mm-hmm. I'm going to look at that today if I get a chance. But he, his best recruit was seventy four. The guy before him had the third number thirty one in the country, and last year was at number five. Why would you drop him to number eight? I mean, I know people. Well, he living, signed but... one
3: extra guy then, Brian. Oh, Greenberry okay. Well, four, I see. I told you, it's all <laughs> off of this, all off of those things. Gotcha. Um, and he's got one extra guy. With, yeah, one extra guy. You know what are you going to do? Um, okay. One interesting thing about Montgomery's recruitment is he was able to go into Texas, Louisiana, Virginia, Mississippi, and all the way to Canada to land guys um, to Norman, which is a great job. I mean, those those are some really opposite places there. So that just tells me that Jerry Montgomery is a guy that can probably build a relationship with anyone. You have some guys that can only recruit in the South or some guys that they'll only send into Texas or guys that can only recruit in the Northeast. Here's this guy um, pretty much going all over the country and even out of the country to bring guys to Oklahoma. So I uh, found that part uh, very interesting yeah, there. No, it's pretty, it's th- yeah, it's impressive. Yep. Number six on the list is uh, Frank Wilson from LSU. He lands three uh, ESPN top 300 recruits, best of which was uh, number 30, Tyron Johnson. Kid I've had a chance to see play. Very, very impressed with uh, that guy. And then keep keep a hold of that name. Okay, Conor, I'm calling
1: time good. out on you now.
3: Are you gonna Okay, this guy
1: message? had one less recruit than Montgomery. <laughs> he had the number thirty guy. He goes to six. Gene Mary, who has the number thirty one guy in the same amount of recruits as three in the list. He's he gets <laughs> dropped to eight. That's why I hate lists. <laughs> well yeah, yeah. Here's how I'm
3: I don't have the complete um uh, work up on this, but I'm gonna I'm going to venture to say that of his three recruits he probably had a bigger cluster near the top out of those. Yeah, things. well, I'm going to venture to say that your deductive reasoning, reasoning is strong, you're
1: right. and you're probably right, but still.
3: <laughs> it's all about – no, I guarantee you there's a formula for this. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, you know um,
1: – You don't think Jeremy Crabtree shook him up in a hat and picked him out?
3: No, hell no, man. He punched his stuff into an Excel spreadsheet, and this is what he came out with. Okay, thank God. Okay, so Wilson's at number
1: six. Is that your cousin, Frank?
3: Um, no, man, Frank and I haven't met, you know, but he's such a he's such a big-time guy. We ought to meet really soon. Number five, Rick Trickett from Florida State. Um, and I happen to have met Rick Trickett, quite the character, O-line coach. I know uh, his son, too, is also at Sanford. Rick okay, Trickett that name, character.
1: I'm going to guess. You never talked to me about him. Let me guess. This guy is a mm-hmm. big, heavy, southern guy with a draw.
3: You know, Amel, you couldn't be more wrong.
1: Really? Okay. What, is, what does Rick, this guy look like? Describe Rick him Rick Trickett
3: me. is a diminutive guy
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, who has, um, um, you know, who what could I compare him to? Um, almost a little bit, almost a little bit of Burgess Meredith. Um, a little bigger than that, but a small guy. And you know, normally you don't have that at the offensive line coaching position. It's someone who um, you know, body type resembles the players he's coaching. Not not Rick Trickett, but I guarantee you, um, those big 300 pounders aren't going to cross Mr. Trickett. Okay, he has control of his group, and you don't you don't uh, you don't run counter to what Coach Trickett is doing. Well, he has control of recruiting
1: because he's he's at number <laughs> five in this list, and he was number two last year. So some reason he got a couple demerits. He's down three spots.
3: He's also a guy, too, though, that could go and connect with people, which is uh, probably a big reason why he is so high on the list. He's number five, picked up three ESPN, 300 recruits. Uh, Top signee, number 42 on the list, uh, quarterback DeAndre Francois from IMG. And, you know, I'd hope to get to this today in our show. Amo, we'll have to save it for another show. But I do need to talk to you and the listeners out there about IMG, the football factory, the athletic factory that is – uh, being, being, um, what can I say, put together and run down there in Bradenton, Florida. That's going to be a topic of one of our shows coming okay. up. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Florida State uh, did really well in recruiting, and ESPN says Rick Trickett was a big part of that. Number four, the aforementioned Will Muschamp from Auburn, the former Florida coach, picked up three ESPN 300 top recruits and um, earned the spot by landing Mr. Byron Coward. Now, I don't know if you had a chance to see any of the National Signing Day ceremonies on ESPN, but when Byron Cowart was announced, uh, when he announced, uh, they showed the uh, Auburn uh, War Room, and all of the coaches jumped up from the conference table in elation, and uh, Will Muschamp was sitting there with a scowl on, in his chair, arms crossed, and I guess he was one of the only guys in the room that was aware that Cowart had not yet uh, faxed in his letter of intent so in his mind he was saying this is all bs until i hear that fact yeah so
2: until i till i hear out. that until i hear that beep beep,
3: beep. yeah yeah you jerk offs can jump up and spill coffee all over yourselves if you want to but <laughs> don't you think not, honestly, honestly don't business. you
1: think i i understand the excitement and these guys work hard and i get that mm. but don't mm. don't you think that 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 jumping around is a little bit uh beneath what some of what you should do <laughs> don't you think you should kind of um, act like you've recruited big players before
3: No, man, you got to do your end zone dance. It's good, man, because, you know, when they've got the cameras there in on you, I doubt these guys do this when the cameras are not there. I'm sure there's a certain amount of emotion shown, yes, because you do. There is something. fist pump is cool. I'm all
1: right if a bunch of growing Uh, 40-, 50-year-old men give you a little, you know, like a golfer making a big putt, a fist pump like a Tiger Woods. But, I mean, come on,
2: jumping up and down like high school children.
3: Even if it's a little quick, Derek Jeter one, you know when he hits when he hits that yeah. double and he lands on second base. But you know you got to do play you you do have to play up for the camera some too because it helps you in re- recruiting future years. So uh, there's a camera there for a reason, man. It's not for you to sit there and take a sip of coffee when you land your big time guy, or they'll never show up I got you. there again. Okay. You know? You know how that works. James Franklin is probably one of the best at working that thing. Oh, a, oh my you know, God! He's, You're not he's kidding. awesome with that.
1: He, he's yeah, he's going to be mean, up. He, we're going to see him in April for an Academy Award.
3: Oh yes, he's. I'm telling you, one day he's going to rip his polo off and run around um, Penn State's campus and dive in a lake. Um, off yeah, of what we he, could he goes nuts. Yeah, and and think of doing that on February 4th in in uh, Pennsylvania. That would be uh, something to No, thank to you. See. All right, number three is uh, Marcus Tuyasasopo, uh one of two USC players. Now I
1: feel old because I remember him playing quarterback at Washington.
3: Yeah, not I remember that, him not playing that long quarterback ago in my looking mind. like a running back. Uh, yes. You know. yes. Wasn't it him and uh, uh, the lefty that ended up with Jacksonville, his name escapes me. Weren't they there around the same time? Am I, I wrong think,
1: on that? Yeah, I think so. He was good at the same time. Harrington, I think, was the quarterback at Oregon. They both went one year. I think they both went 10-1 and or 11-1. and I remember yeah, him well, playing in the coached, Rose Bowl.
3: He's coached Tuyas Sopo now at your place, your school, USC. He hauled in six top 300 recruits from ESPN. That's second of all these guys on this list. So he went out there and got the job done, uh, the best of which, number 77, Osa Masina. Sounds very uh West Coast that name. Um but from Utah Sosopa, that kid. Yeah, went out and, and, and got the job done. Uh T also brought in safety Marvell Tell, uh athlete Porter Gustin and uh, uh a guy that I like I like his name, just pretty much like his name uh, as a quarterback in this place, Ricky Town. Um yeah. Well, you could in. do a, you
1: could do a lot with that name if he becomes big time. But uh, he's a flip. Remember, he was an Alabama recruit. Um, mm-hmm. They flipped him early last year. He's been in, in the fold for over a year. Uh, they flipped him from Alabama, and then Alabama went out and I, they flipped. I think Barnett from uh, from Notre Dame, if I'm remembering that correctly. So
3: Yeah, one flip needs, leads to one another. One flip, you know, he gets another. Yeah, that's right. Um, another USC guy, and one that uh, I happen to know, and I know he's a pretty damn good recruiter, number two on the list is T. Martin from USC. Another quarterback,
1: by the way, from the University of Tennessee, for those of you who don't know T. Martin.
3: There you go, T. Martin, the actual Tennessee uh, co- um, quarterback that, would, that won a championship, not the other one that has stuff named – after him, there on campus, this right. guy actually brought home uh, the trophy. Uh, but T. Martin at USC uh, signed uh, three top ESPN top 300 recruits, including including uh, Mr. Feature Film himself, Iman Marshall, um, who, who, who we laughed at upstaging ESPN uh, yes. on his announcement when didn't he didn't even have the, the decency to film. put
1: to put T. Martin in the video.
3: Uh, well, I don't know if he could do that one. Could he? Uh, could he? I don't, I'm not sure. That might have been some type of violation. You got to be careful with everything that you do now. That's but true. Nevertheless, landed him on Marshall, uh, instrumental in Rasheem Green, Kevin Scott, John Houston Jr., Daquan Hampton, uh, Isaac Whitney. I mean, they parked T. Martin up in Sarah High School, which pumps out, pr- uh, you know, product like, you know, uh, Microsoft in the '90s. It's funny and, though. Uh, you know, you, you talk here.
1: about regionally. Martin, I believe, is, was born and raised in the deep south if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. yeah and he's really got a strong you know he's really done a strong job in california which tells mm-hmm. me his people skills are outstanding because he's not a regional you know he's not a california guy i mean but yeah and they
3: and, and they are he's a very engaging individual someone you can carry a conversation with someone you could see recruits liking um and again we're back on you know recruits picking the the, the coach instead of the the school, but USC obviously has a lot to offer. So um, T Martin would do well recruiting almost anywhere, but like you said, it really really helps to be uh, to have that USC polo on when you walk into a house or a school. Really well,
1: it's like the car salesman, he could probably sell just as many, you know, uh, Chevys, but it, but it helps if he's in a BMW dealership, right? He might still be a good salesman, but he might make more money, you know, exactly. selling the BMW.
3: So. Exactly, and and I wish we had drum roll music, but number one on the list, uh, much to the chagrin of Miami fans down here are pretty ornery these days, uh, former University of Miami player, former University of uh, Miami coach, former FIU head coach, and now Alabama offensive line coach is Mario Cristobal, who racked up and hauled in nine top 300 ESPN recruits, including a South Florida product. Uh, named Calvin Ridley, a wide receiver, who uh, has a ton of potential. to When beat. did
1: he play at Miami, Chad?
3: Uh He finished in uh, 92. So we're on a team – we're in a 92 was team. He, a, was yeah, he an was.
1: offensive lineman?
3: He was an offensive lineman, okay. a pretty good one. And there were – he also had a brother that was uh, – an older brother. Yeah, I just remember the
1: name when you said – you know, we started doing this, you know, research for the segment. I just remembered the name, and I said, geez, you know, that really sounds familiar from, you know, just watching a lot of football. So when you said yeah. that he played at Miami, it kind of kind of rang a bell. Yeah.
3: Well, there's a reason that Chris Ball became a head coach at FIU, it's obviously because he can engage with people, uh, manage people, and so on and so forth. And he's used those skills that he uh, either has naturally or has developed quite well um, to get out on the recruiting trail and, um, and win in a very competitive atmosphere. Because, look, I mean, look at the class that Auburn had. And Auburn's in-state. So he's fighting guys in-state in his own backyard for kids. And then when he comes down here in Florida, he's still bumping into Auburn guys who are trying to get the top talent down here in talent-rich South Florida. And he uh, beat several schools on some of these guys. And, uh, like I said, Calvin Ridley and uh, also picked up number seven safety, Sean Burgess. And number four cornerback, Minka Fitzpatrick, played a role in all that. You know what, he's really good with getting DBs this offense. Apparently line, so. How,
1: how about the guys dropping out? Kirby Smart dropping out. I mean – Mm-hmm. You know, I see Kerry Coombs from Ohio State dropping out on Clay Helton from USC. I mean, I'm guessing that you know Helton didn't get worse at recruiting. It's just that he just happened to not be in on some of the other. I mean, I don't understand how you necessarily drop out of the list when your team ends well, up in one of the top five. Well, you drop out classes. of the list
3: in this in this case. Perhaps your area is not producing as high a yeah. talent for this particular class as one of your other assistant coaches on the team. Uh, in Kirby Smart's case, uh, you know, Kirby, maybe Kirby Smart is not as hot and heavy into the recruiting these days since he's, you know, elevated in stature a little bit. Maybe he doesn't go out as much. Maybe it's more bring these guys to me. You assistants, go out, bring them to me. Yeah. since He's he's, uh, he's damn near a, uh, a head coach over there. Uh, and Kerry Coombs, um, uh, an awesome individual um, um, who recruited my son, great guy. Um, so a little bit, it seemed like, of a – diminished role there at Ohio State. So I don't know what that how that played out for him in recruiting, but I let me ask you business. this you this
1: uh, off a off off-subject, here, but not off subject bit subject, a little bit different a little bit you a little bit you just mentioned him there at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Would there be your Would just taking your opinion, just taking a guess, if Nick a tomorrow said, Nick a tomorrow would Kirby Smart retiring, would Kirby That's get that job?
3: That's a very interesting question, a very interesting question, a that he would walk that right into would walk think they would probably – you they would probably. You see. They've built themselves up into such quite the monster that you – I would have to think the decision makers there would be rather careful and they would also have to consider that um, do we want to bring in a guy with a with, with a good amount of head coaching experience and not turn it over to a guy who's never been in this spot before. I think that would be a real part of the consideration. You mean go out and get just... a
1: guy like a Mike Price or something like that?
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you pull him? Out? How'd you pull him out of nowhere? Listen, I have a uh, memory. I have
1: a memory like a like an elephant.
3: Okay. Well, oh man, Mike Price, you brought him in there. Good grief. Um, that probably flew over the head of uh, half of our audience. Well they go. They go take Mike Price, here.
1: Alabama, and Google and They can read
3: up. Yeah, well, that was a good one. Maybe they can grab Mike uh, Riley from uh, Nebraska. I'd have to think, man, crazy enough. I, I might be wrong on this. I think they'd consider Gus Malzahn, don't you think?
1: Sure, if you'd want to leave. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily, you, you, you know, I mean, Auburn's not exactly a bad job. I mean, you're pretty damn close to, you know, I mean, do you really want to leave what you've built? I mean, to, to move in-state, I understand yeah, Alabama. I know,
3: man, I don't Does Gus Malzahn feel like he's really built something there at, at Auburn? I don't know. I don't know if he feels like that. Came in and, um, you know, I had a really nice run my first year, but I don't know that he feels like he's really, really built something, you know.
2: That would be know.
1: one of those. That's an interesting point you make. If he went to Alabama, there's always these awkward things. Like I've, I still find it odd when I watch a Louisville basketball game and I see Patino on the sidelines, knowing what he had done at Kentucky. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That would be like one of those situations. Strange. For me. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Strange. It's like but, wait a
3: second. What other huge name could you consider for that job? Jimbo Fisher, maybe? Do you bring a Jimbo Fisher in to? I he'd leave Florida State for Alabama. Oh, sure he would. Sure. There was speculation
1: for years that Bobby Bowden, who was from Alabama, would have left uh, Florida State for the Alabama job. I'm not I so sure. I think that was
3: strictly off of him being from Alabama. Yeah, I think, I think so, too. Reach, we reached a certain point. Maybe he just turned the keys over ahead. to Lane Kiffin. That would just be awesome, wouldn't it? I think there'd be some serious. You know, we're laughing,
1: him. but, you know, he's he's still relatively He's a young guy. I mean, he, he might have just turned 40. I mean, he mm-hmm. could change. Well, you and I had the conversation the one day we were trying to figure it out, you know. Will he mature and someday, you know, learn from all this and actually become a good head coach, or is he just one of those guys that's a great coordinator and should stay in that role and just make his living that way? That's so, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to condemn him to never being a head coach again because truthfully, USC fans tear him up and I do a little bit too, but he actually did a good job when you consider the circumstances. His recruiting plan at USC was outstanding during during yeah, the uh, it's, sanction period. It's just
3: those main things, uh, you know, coach management, player management, all that kind of stuff, which yeah. you can get better at. I mean, we're all reminded of Pete Carroll and how he was a running joke at one point, and now he's... Uh, a running um, joke again
1: because of that call.
3: <laughs> well, for God's sake. But going, going on before that, they were tapping out his face on the Mount Rushmore of coaches. Um, yeah, they, they were. had to suspend construction on that once that yeah, play they... was called at the end. So yeah, right. we'll never know. You never know with this guy. All right, well that brings us to the end of this Friday here. It is Friday the 13th. That's ugly. Please be careful out there. Um, and for you sus- suspicious folks, look out for your black cats. Good thing about this Friday the 13th is that it's followed up by Valentine's Day tomorrow. Um, Don't mess up tomorrow, or your real nightmare will be the 14th, not the 13th. Okay, get that right out there, all the fellas listening. So, uh, on top of that, enjoy your weekend. I hope you get all that you wish for. For Amo Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll see you all on Monday. Same bat channel, same bat time.